woke up quick at about noon. Hey, 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 hey. Welcome in. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for streaming. And most of all, thank you for listening to the podcast with Damian Barling. My sincerest apologies for the lengthy uh, absence. Haven't dropped the podcast here in a couple of weeks. I promise there is a good reason for it. Uh, the good reason will only come across as an excuse, though. Uh, so there's really uh, no reason to not be recording this particular podcast with you because I've had plenty of time to record the Build Black podcast. Had plenty of time to tr- record the Sacramento Kings podcast with my partner, Joe Adge. Of course, do dealing with KC on ESPN 1320. So there's no reason for me to uh, not have done this podcast other than I just didn't know what the hell to do. As we approach 2021, kind of getting a grip on this podcast. And I was like, all right. You know, I, I, I have an idea. I have a strategy. Friday, Friday nights, is a, is a, it's a tough night to drop podcasts. I was like, well, the weekends are a tough night to drop podcasts. And I thought, okay, when can we drop this thing? When can we put out a, a, a podcast? And it's certainly not going to be like, oh, Wednesday. Wednesday's the day to drop a podcast. No, that's not the case. I'm kind of at the mercy of the Sacramento Kings schedule because we have the courtside with D-Lo and KC now on ESPN 1320. And I also don't want to like record a podcast like an hour before a game starts and then you turn on the podcast and suddenly it's super old and dated. Uh, and I know in the world of sports, like the, the weekly podcast is really hard. You know, when I started this uh, podcast a couple of years ago, it was do it daily, stay in practice just in case you ever get another radio show. And if you're, if you're a longtime listener, you probably know that there is a point where I just kind of like, I'm not doing another radio show. Like I, that, that opportunity isn't coming. Uh, I'm not going to go back to work for that other radio station and ESPN 1320. That's just not their interest right now. And man, I know 2020 has been a, a difficult year uh, for so many. Uh, but I, I think when you work hard enough, you can always find the good in it. And I can't lie, man. A lot of good uh, came out of 2020. And it's weird as I say that. As I, it, it may not be Terramana talks. Can I tell you? Just 2020, like the evolution of my alcohol consumption in 2020 has been pretty extraordinary. Like I started the year regularly drinking flavored vodka. Now, let's not get it twisted. I still love flavored vodka. I still have some coconut Ciroc in the house. I just don't drink it anymore. Like I graduated to tequila Oh, graduated is the right word. But I started drinking tequila. I started drinking like higher end tequila, like Casa Azul and 1942, which like, that's not a flex. Like, it's just, it's what I liked. But there was also a point where, you know, we got to March and it was like, okay, I can't, this can't be my drinking habit. Like, this is just way too expensive. Like, I, I can't do this. I'm not going this hard. But it's really good. I enjoyed it. And God knows, it was just sitting at home and, then Terramana came out. Thank God. And I love the taste. I think Terramana has a really smooth. Good. I don't like the smell of Terramana. So if you've ever had like Casa Azul or 1942 or even um, Sincoro, that's a good like 80, $89, $90 tequila. Really good. They have really pleasant scents. The weird thing about Terramana is I don't think it has a pleasant sense. Like, it, like when you... It's like if you're uh, one of those wine people and you smell the bottle, like it's, it, it doesn't, it does it doesn't do what like Casa 1942 do, but the taste to me, the taste is really smooth and it tastes like a higher end tequila. And then 
I got a bottle of Uncle Nearest. Actually, I got a couple of bottles of Uncle Nearest. They have uh, an 1856 batch, batch and an 1884 batch, and I got one of each. That's a that's a whiskey. And then I started to learn about whiskeys. Like there's whiskey, and and then there are bourbons. But not all whiskeys are bourbons. But all bourbons are whiskeys or something like that. Like, I, it's like okay. But I really liked this Uncle Nearest stuff. I thought, all right, that's a black-owned alcohol company. What could I do to support other black-owned alcohol companies? And I just I started searching. I found you know, uh, Bro Brothers. It's a it's a bourbon company. I found this is what I'm drinking right now. Uh, Saint Liberty Mary's Four Grain Bourbon Whiskey. I'm drinking that right now, dude. I love this stuff. Dude, I've really been missing out. Bourbon is where it's at. Whiskey, that's a, that's a good look because it's just and and don't get it twisted. I am drinking it right now, and part of that is because I know it's I, the rule has been which I have grossly strayed from the just drinking on Fridays rule. Not that I'm not proud of it, not glorifying it. Uh, it's just Friday turns into eh, get a little drink on Saturday. Yeah, it was a rough day. Let's get a little drink on Thursday. Now, it's not to the point where I'm sitting back drinking on a Monday. However, today is Wednesday, at least at the time I'm recording this. I don't know when you may be listening to it, but I appreciate you listening no matter what day it is. I, I'm not doing Dilo and KC tomorrow. As a matter of fact, I don't have any radio responsibilities tomorrow. So I thought, hey, I, I, I took Thursday off. We've, we've, we've got Friday off. We're, we're hitting the new year just crazy strong uh, with Sacramento Kings court, you know, courtside and, and covering Sacramento Kings basketball and all of that. So it's like, let's grab an extra couple of days. We'll be back on the air on Sunday for game day leading into the final San Francisco 49ers game. So I thought, let's pour, let's pour a little drink. And as I'm recording this, uh, as I take a little sip here, this is for John Huber, Brody Lee, Luke Harper. Mm. Man, this is good. As I, I'm watching uh, the AEW show right now, and feels like as wrestling fans, we've seen so many of these shows. And as I'm recording this, the Young Bucks are in the ring right now with Colt Cabana. And you just see, you know, Brody Lee's son is is at ringside, and you see the reaction from the superstars. I feel like we've seen this so many times. Like we saw it with Brian Lee. Or, I'm sorry, not Brian Lee. We saw it with Brian Pillman. Uh, we saw, you know, they just did the the Ten Bell salute for Brian Pillman. They didn't do the whole show for him, but then they did the Owen Hart show, and they did the, you know, Eddie Guerrero shows, and they, they're, you know, they're so difficult to watch sometimes. Um, but I've got my eye on this program right now as, as we record. Uh, I haven't been paying a ton of attention to AEW. I watch Being the Elite a lot. I find that extremely entertaining. John Huber, man, that was a guy, like, I loved Luke Harper. Like, I thought the Luke Harper character was so legit. I When Bray Wyatt, like, I, I wasn't into the Wyatt family like in NXT. Like, I wasn't, you know, super locked into to NXT back then when the Wyatt family debuted. But when they showed up on WWE television, when they showed up on Raw or whatever, you know, main show that it was, I remember looking at Luke Harper going, oh, dude, that dude is, like, legitimately scary. Like, I look at Luke Harper, Harper and I'm like, that, he's terrifying. Like, if I, if I saw him anywhere near J Street, I would just leave. Like, you can have it. You can have J Street. In fact, 
Luke, you can have all of downtown. Like, this is all for your... Like, it was a character I bought. And that's a hard thing to do in wrestling. It's hard to buy the character. Like, it's hard to believe in what you're watching anymore. Which is why I love the Roman Reigns character right now so much. The Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman pairing. Because it's so believable to me. Not that I think Roman is a dick or anything like that. But, like, I just watch it and I go, this is... He's a big... Like, he, he, the, the small change to his look... While he was away uh, from WrestleMania up until, you know, several months ago, it, it, it did wonders for him. And then removing the vest, he's a little bit more shredded. Like, you, if you remember when Triple H, you know, became the game and morphed into that heel character after uh, turning on DX. Like, you might remember, like, immediately following DX, he was still wearing the long tights. Like, after he turned heel, he basically looked exactly the same. And then... He made a couple of subtle switches like he, you know, I don't know if he necessarily got bigger. He was always kind of a big guy, but he really leaned out like he got shredded. His tan got a little darker. He switched from the long tights to the short shorts, and it was like suddenly he became a little bit more believable. And it was different. Roman gets shredded, removes that, you know, tactical vest, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, Okay, I, I believe this. I'm so anxious to see how crowds react to this. Like, is Roman going to be cheered? Like, I, I know that Roman is a bad guy. I'm not quite sure. He's, he's a heel. I'm not questioning that. I'm just like, is he going to be cheered by the audience? Because he's so good at this role. Like, it's, it was so long overdue. People wanted it for so long. You finally get it. And it lived up to, like, the hype. It lived up to the hype that we built up in our own heads. Like, yeah, you should really turn Roman Reigns heel. You should really make him a jerk. Like, I think it'll work. And, and they finally have done it, and it's worked to perfection. And so I wonder, like, whenever crowds are allowed back or whenever WWE takes, you know, their show to a place like in Florida, WrestleMania, I imagine, Tampa, where they're going to allow people to be in, in stadium. I'm so curious to see what the Super Bowl winds up looking like. Uh, I'm, I'm curious how fans react to it. And then, you know, probably a better gauge more realistically, when you get in a, a, an arena of 14, 15, 16,000 people, what is it going to sound like? And then when you get into front of those big, you know, massive crowds like a, like a WrestleMania, potentially a Royal Rumble or SummerSlam or some sort of like outdoor stadium, what is it going to wind up looking like or sounding like? But it's so believable. And I found Luke Harper so believable, particularly the, 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 Wyatt family version of Luke Harper. And I know, you know, coming out of the the, the family, it, it's difficult to establish a character after he was a big, scary monster that really didn't say anything, really didn't do anything. You break him off from the family and he's got to, he's got to establish himself. And for a while, it was like, he's just kind of doing the same thing. And then he became a baby face. He became a baby face because the crowd bought it. Like they bought him. They liked him. And they still didn't really know what to do with his character. And I know he did. I think he, I don't remember. Was it the Basham? I can't remember what the name of that group was. Not group, but when he, when he got back with Rowan. It was something brothers. I, I want to say Basham, but that feels like a different tag team. But, it, it, you know, it was Eric Rowan and Luke Harper again. And it's like, okay, it's kind of like a different version of the White Family. It works but it's just a different version of the Wyatt family without Bray Wyatt around. 
And, you know, he, he he had a couple of singles run, did a few things, gets his release, winds up in AEW. I, I popped when he wind, wound up in AEW. I thought, all right, this is cool. Because I really like this dude, and I'm curious to see what they're going to do with him. They had him as the exalted one, leader of the Dark Order. And you really got to see him dive into this personality. He's wearing suits, and he's like this. He he. I just thought this dude was brilliant. So, you know, I wasn't paying attention to Twitter, and, you know, Chris Rillard sent me the, the tweet from AEW that he had died, and it was like, my gosh, you're 41 years old. And as I got this this show playing, I obviously I have the volume down as I'm talking to you, but it just has that familiar, it's just so frustrating because this is so familiar, you know, it has the, you know, the wrestler, you know, breaking character, if you will, and I'm I'm, I'm sure he's talking about, you know, John and how funny he was and what a family man he was. And, and I know, I don't think, you know, I don't, I, there was a, a, a stretch of time where it felt like rest, wrestling deaths were like daily where like, they just kept happening over and over and over again. And as critical as you can be, and you can be very critical of WWE's wellness policy, deaths in the wrestling industry have drastically slowed down since they've implemented that policy. And while I always have believed that Vince McMahon believes that WWE is wrestling, and that's fine because I think a lot of people believe that WWE is wrestling. It's like, you know, Kenny and I were having this conversation on the radio the other day where certain words just get subbed out for each other. Like oftentimes you, you sneeze, you blow your nose, you need, you need a Kleenex. No, you need a tissue. Kleenex is a brand. Just like, you know, when you scrape your knee, you don't need a Band-Aid. Band-Aid is a brand. You need a bandage. Well, when, you know, when, when Chris Paul tackles De'Aaron Fox on the floor, what is it called? Is it called wrestling? No, it's called WWE. Oh, he just went full WWE on him. Or you might hear him say, oh, he just went full WWF on him. The two words are synonymous. So in Vince, to, to, to Vince McMahon's credit in that sense is he often has helped out guys who worked for the company for a very brief time. Or I, I know of at least a handful of guys that, that didn't work for the company at all, but they reached out to people within the company and, and, and WWE wound up helping. I don't know what the situation was with, I don't want to say it hasn't been kept a secret. Like he had some sort of lung issue. It wasn't COVID related. I know he, he, he did an AEW podcast where he was talking about his, you know, he, he, he wasn't able to work out and train the same way. Like his, he had a, you know, gross shortness of breath and it's 41, man. And it's just brutal. It's just brutal. I found him incredibly entertaining. So that's obviously a tremendous loss for his family, AEW and and the wrestling industry. But I was, I was a big fan of Luke Harper and I was a big fan of, of Brody Lee and, and, and the characters, all of the characters that John portrayed. So uh, sad to hear that news. Sad to be watching this show as we're recording right now. But if, you know, I mentioned, you know, you could find some good in 2020 and what a difficult year this has been. And you guys are a great example of, you know, how there is some good in this year. And I think I've told you before, and I don't mind telling you again as I take a little sip of my bourbon here. Uh, I'm kind of a kind of a homebody like I, I like I'm I'm social in the sense of I mean 
Like I, I like I don't go out to clubs. I don't, you know, I, I, I prefer to cook my own food. Like I'll go to restaurants occasionally, you know, different things like that. But like I'm a pretty I'm 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 a dude who likes to be at home. You know, if 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 I want to hang out with my friends, like I ask them to come over here. Like I would rather be the host of the party. Ten times out of ten, I'd rather be the host of the party than go to a party. So you know, back in March when stay-at-home orders kicked into effect, I was already doing the podcast, and obviously I do the podcast from home. I have a home studio here set up that's just kind of built over time as I started to take the podcast more and more seriously. And so when, like, the stay-at-home orders went into effect and quarantine went into effect, and it honestly didn't affect me a ton. It didn't affect me a ton. I was already self-employed with the, you know, the the, the podcasting stuff, and it certainly affected the way to monetize that at least for a little bit. And so, but like, I was like, I'm good. Y'all know me. Like I'm good. I'll make it work. I'm fine. So the stay at home stuff, the not being able to go out stuff, not going out to the park or whatever, uh, you know, club name you could think of like that. That ain't me. That didn't bother me. Now, granted, I would, you know, at Christmas time, New Year's time, you know, I kind of, I don't want to say I pushed, we pushed our luck a little bit, but we did get together for Thanksgiving and I have a small family. It's not like aunts, uncles, cousins, nieces, nephews. It's not all that. It was like me, my sister, my mom, and like a couple, two or three other people. It was a very small group and we were extremely cautious leading into Thanksgiving because of my mom. And it was like, don't be the one to screw this up. Like you've, we've, we kind of took a a, a serious quarantine for 10 days leading into me driving down there and just, you know, spending the night down there and being able to have, you know, dinner with my family. But at the same time, we knew like, all right, that's difficult to do on, on Thanksgiving and Christmas. So the idea was we'll get together on Thanksgiving. We probably won't see each other on Christmas or New Year's or anything like that. And that's been the case. And certainly I'd love to be a, I'd, I'd love to ha- have some friends over on Thanksgiving or, or I'd love to have some friends over, excuse me, on New Year's and be able to get together and be social. Uh, but I, I, you know, I just, I'm, I'm just kind of feeling like let's just continue to keep this thing safe and social distance just a little bit more. And, and see if we can just see if we can get through this. And I know I, I, I'm kind of one of those people who believe the end isn't as close as many people make it out to be, but I think it's closer than it was in the middle of the summer. Uh, and that's only like a marginal, (laughs) it's only like a marginal improvement, but that's just where I'm at and where I'm thinking. And, you know, so that aspect of like staying at home and, and, and quarantining or, or, or social distancing, distancing and that stuff like that's difficult. But being at home has really allowed me to do things, even working with ESPN, that would have been a lot more difficult uh, had I not had this home setup. Like doing a doing game day with D'Lo and KC, doing courtside with D'Lo and KC, that would be a whole lot more difficult if every time I had to do a radio show, I had to drive into the studio. It's so easy to sit down. You know, I, I, yeah, I told you, I think I told you, one of my biggest struggles with, you know, doing the radio show was it felt like the podcast because I'm at home. I have the exact same setup. I'm using the exact same equipment. I got Kenny on Zoom. There's no sign of a radio station anywhere. Now, obviously, the structure of the show is a whole lot different. But just, you know, when you get into like a feel, it feels exactly the same. 
you know, Kenny and I were laughing about that the other day. Like if you forget that we're doing a radio show, like Kenny does podcasts. I do podcasts. We're just talking to each other. We're talking about sports. We're talking about the things that we love. It's easy to forget that your voice is being broadcast out to, you know, hopefully a large number of people. It's easy to forget that your voice is being broadcast live all over the world on the radio.com app. So it, 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 it's provided like that. That has been a, you know, a good thing for me in 2020. And obviously, you know, going from the podcast, being able to continue this podcast, you guys continuing to listening to the podcast, the birth of Be Heard uh, in 2020, which is a major thing for me in, in the, you know, the, the D'Lo and KC show on ESPN 1320. Like that all happened this year. Like it's, it's really difficult to get a job in sports media. And we've talked about that on several occasions. It's really difficult to get a job in sports media, especially when you're not willing to like just get up and leave. Like I didn't want to get up and move to Houston. Uh, I didn't want to get up and move to another market. Like I, I've spent my time out of California. I've spent my time out of Sacramento. I didn't really want to pack up and leave again. Like I, I part of the reason I moved back to Sacramento was because I was hoping to establish like some stability and lay some groundwork. And part of that groundwork being you know, my work with now multiple radio stations and, and by happenstance, the birth of, of Be Heard and this podcast here. And so as, you know, I kind of post this show, hopefully some of you, you know, I'm posting it on December 30th. Hopefully some of you are listening to it on New Year's Day. And I'll mention, uh, you know, you know, whatever day you're listening to this on, there, there's another episode that I'm going to post. If you didn't hear our D'Lo and KC today, we had a roundtable with Deuce and Moe, and Marshall Harris for like the last hour of the show. And we talked a lot about the Sacramento Kings, but we talked about 2020 and it was just kind of like a year end round table. And it was a incredible conversation with some incredibly talented people. Uh, I'm going to post a version of that for you uh, on new year's Eve morning with my own, you know, wraparounds where I'll kind of lead into the segment. Uh, but most importantly, uh, I'll share some things with you that I was able to share with the four of them, Kenny included. When we went off the radio, uh, we stayed on the Zoom call for about another 25 to 30 minutes just talking to each other. And a lot of the talking was thanking. And I, I would love for you to hear that uh, following you know, our, that, that portion of the conversation from the radio show that I'm going to put on the podcast that's going to drop on New Year's Eve. Uh, you know What Marshall did for me, uh, what Deuce and Moe, uh, did for me, what we were able to do for each other, how d and KC came together, um, how things have worked out with me and Kenny. I would, I would love for you to hear that. So that's, that's, uh, that's going to be available here on this podcast feed uh, as well. So it, it, as we, you know, kind of wrap up 2020 and most people will feel like this is just the worst year ever, you know, thank God it's over. There's some good that you can find in it. And even if the year was, you know, was really bad, I've, I've been fortunate. Um, I'm not Lena Washington. You know, Lena Washington lost her dad. I, that, that, that didn't happen to me this year. I didn't lose a loved one due to, to COVID or, or any other illness for that matter. Um, I, I, I didn't have those, those tragic experiences in 2020. But I, I think all of us can work. And for some people, it'll be a lot more work, like for Lena. Imagine if I, if Lena was listening to this or if I was sitting across from Lena and I would say to her, can you work as hard as you possibly can to find something positive that happened in 2020? 
and hold on to that. And me, admittedly, I'm fortunate. I can note a number of positive things that happened in 2020 for me. Uh, be heard in ESPN 1320 just being, you know, kind of the tip of the iceberg uh, for all that. And, and your guys' tremendous support. I've said this a million times. I'll say it a million more. Be heard doesn't happen without you guys. Like, if you guys weren't listening to this podcast, I'd have no reason to believe you would listen to a family of podcasts. Uh, if you guys, you know, didn't tune in uh, after George Floyd was murdered and, and hear my stances on social justice, I'd have no reason to be a part of the Bill Black podcast. You know, you, you have made so much of what I've done this year possible, and, and, and I'm really, really grateful for that. So, so thank you. And as we transition here a little bit, I think we can all agree one of the best positives that we have this year is the start of the season for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, the Kings right now, as I record this, sit at 3-1. and one. They're coming off of their big win against the Denver Nuggets last night. They've had two wins against the Denver Nuggets this year. It, you know, And that's kind of the weird quirks of the schedule. You see that they've already played Denver twice. They've played four games. They've only played two teams. You know, They had the home and home uh, against Phoenix, in which they were able to win on a Saturday, lose on a Sunday. But I've been so impressed with how the Kings have played. I've been so impressed with Tyrese Halliburton and what he's brought into this group and how he feels like a leader the minute he steps on the floor, how he feels like a guy who steps onto the basketball court and the moment is too big for him. Like, you look back at that Denver game. Like, he hit a couple of shots that were huge. Not just, not, not just like, the fact that they were three-pointers, but you talk about shots having an impact. You know, I, I, I often gripe about, um, James Harden being like empty calories. Like James Harden can have 30 points. It don't matter. James Harden has 36 points in series deciding games in which his team loses by 10. The points don't matter. They're empty calories. Tyrese Halliburton had like 13 points against Denver. Maybe 15 points. 13 to 15 points. I'll pull up the box scores. I'm talking to you right now. I'm using my iPad that normally has all of my notes on it to stream uh, AEW right now as, as I've got that on in the background. But there were two shots. Remember the Kings down seven. De'Aaron Fox comes down, corner three, cuts the lead to four. Next possession, Tyrese Halliburton. It might not have been the, the, the next possession, but it was like we're close together. They might have gotten a stop, and then it was the possession after that. Tyrese Halliburton hits a three. The leads go from seven to one in two possessions. Like, man, and he, he, this shot did not scare him. He plays with fear. He plays, and this is the line that you've heard so often over the course of the last week, dating back to the first game against Denver. Dude plays like a veteran. And it's wild. He's played four games, and you can say uh, with full comfort, Tyrese Halliburton plays like a veteran. He had 13 points last night, five of seven shooting. Three steals. Like, are you kidding me? 25 minutes. You know who else I've been impressed with uh, in addition to Tyrese Halliburton is Buddy Heald. I feel like Buddy Heald has done an incredible job. Buddy hasn't gotten the shot to fall, you know, the way that he would like. I think he had a good game against Denver, maybe 7 of 18, somewhere around there. 20-plus points in that opening game. But overall, like, again, last night, good example. He was 4 of 10. But he keeps finding ways to do other stuff. He's more aggressive on the boards. 
Uh, he's finding guys. He's racking up some assists here and there. And most importantly, he's not turning the ball over. Like, if, I, I, I don't feel like he's making the mistakes that he used to make that used to drive Kings fans crazy. I don't think he's making the same mistakes that put Luke Walton in a position to where he had to make the decision he can't play him late in games because he can't afford that late game mistake. And, you know, you go back and you look at that, the opening night against Denver, the end of regulation, where the, like, he, you know, he gets the inbounds pass looking for, you know, the final shot, a chance to give the Kings the win in regulation, and the ball just kind of, it just kind of, he just kind of loses it. And it's like, oh, buddy. No, don't do this to us, buddy. Like we're on your side. Like don't, don't, don't do this. And of course, <laughs> of course, you know, still a line from Dumb and Dumber. You totally redeem yourself as he gets the the tip in, which again was a great play on his part because you know he hustled down the floor. Harrison Barnes missed the, you know, missed the dunk attempt. It was actually I think Will Barton blocked the ball, and Buddy was there to put it back. It was a great play by Buddy. And I think Buddy has had a lot of moments this season where, you know, we're used to Buddy being a, a, a shooter. We're used to Buddy racking up the points. That hasn't really happened this season. But we've seen him continue to contribute. Great example. I had just mentioned Tyrese Halliburton played, you know, 25 minutes last night. Buddy's shot wasn't falling last night. He was 4 of 10. But he played 35 minutes. Luke Walton trusts him. And that's big. Yo, that's a huge step for the Kings. That's a huge step for Buddy Heald. In the game that the Kings won against Phoenix, 106-103, Buddy shot 28% in that game. 14 points. But he found other ways to be effective. And as long as Buddy finds ways to be effective, if the shot isn't falling, hopefully that shot starts to fall. But if Buddy continues to find ways to be effective on the offensive and defensive end, man, this Kings team is in good shape. And I'm not going to, you know, forecast the schedule. I'm not going to forecast, yeah, but it's early. and Denver's 1-3 and three and they're going to bounce back and the Lakers are starting slow because you can look around the league and see a lot of teams that are starting slow. I don't care about none of that. What I know right now, four games into the season, is the Sacramento Kings are playing well and they're really fun to watch. Enjoy it. Like they tried to do, like Kenny tried to do this today on the show. He's, yo, we've got Chicago ahead and Houston struggling. It's like, no, 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 don't do that. We do that every year. We look at the schedule and we start figuring out how many games the team is supposed to win. We're four, four games in. That's our sample size. What we know, they're fun to watch. They're fighting. And I think that's something that's really important. And shouldn't be like they, you know, the, the only game that they folded was the one that they lost. And it was the one to Phoenix. They kind of fell apart in the final five minutes of the game. I'm sorry. They fell apart in the final uh, four to five minutes of the third quarter. And that carried over into the fourth quarter and ultimately spelled their demise. They had a stretch in the third quarter against Denver where they stunk. Like it was a 17 0 run. Hassan Whiteside court scored four straight to put that to an end. But they cut the lead down in the third quarter, and they didn't let any of that run bleed into the fourth quarter. They reestablished themselves. They got rolling. I think they went on a 20-3 run themselves in the fourth quarter. That's grit. And I go back to Luke Walton. 
the day after or the 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 Zoom press conference after their first practice together. I love the energy. I love the flow. I love the pace and I love the buy-in. And it feels like the Sacramento Kings have bought in to something. What exactly is it? I don't know. This is my bad for not asking Luke Walton that day. But they have bought into something. Whether it's a defensive mentality, whether it's an all-for-one mentality, because they are working as a unit. They're working as a team. They're working as a team that gives a crap about the others. They're working as Rashawn Holmes and Marvin Bagley and Harrison Barnes and De'Aaron Fox. They're all invested in each other's success. And I think all of us can point out plenty of times where it felt like, yeah, that, that, that hasn't always been the case. This team hasn't always been down for each other. And when I say team, when I say this team, I mean the Sacramento Kings. It felt like they haven't always been down for each other. But that is not the case now. It feels like they are all incredibly invested uh, in one another and in the success of one another and in the success of the Sacramento Kings team. And so it's exciting, man, and it's fun, and just enjoy it. That's what I'm trying to do. Like, I'm, I'm not worried about who's on the schedule. I'm not worried about what they're doing next. I'm just laying back, and I'm enjoying the fact that the Sacramento Kings are playing really, really good basketball. And they're an incredibly entertaining team to watch. And this will be an entertaining weekend in the NFL as well. As there are seven playoff spots up for grabs. The Rams, in week 15, the Rams were the three seed. They had a 99.9% chance to make the playoffs. Two weeks ago, a 99.9% chance to make the playoffs. Now, now the Rams could miss the playoffs if they lose and if the Bears win. You know, I meant to... (laughs) This is I, I this is a great footnote. I've been rooting for the Giants to win the NFC East. Not because I care about the Giants, but because I want to see a playoff team get in at 6 and 10. Which I believe based on the fact that you have to play other teams in your conferences, that's the lowest possible record you could have to win a conference or to win a division, excuse me. That's the lowest possible record you could have. To win a division. Six and ten. I want to see the Giants get it. Do you know who the Giants would be hosting if they get the playoff spot? And in order for the Giants to get the playoff spot, the Washington football team has to lose to Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. And then obviously the Giants have to beat the Dallas Cowboys. They would be hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that's so funny to me. Only because it would be the Giants versus Tom Brady in a situation where the Giants are massive underdogs, and the Tom Brady-led team are are giant favorites. Just the thought of that is spectacular. A couple of other notes. An 11-win Indianapolis Colts team could miss the playoffs. There's going to be a really, really good team in the AFC that misses the playoffs. Think about that. What a shame. A 6-10 team, or at best, a 7-9 team, is going to get into the playoffs. But an 11-win Indianapolis Colts team could miss it. The 2008 Patriots 
uh, Brady's injury year, or the, they, they won 11 games that year. They're the only 11-win team to miss the playoffs since 1990. Making this stretch by the Indianapolis Colts even more incredible is the fact that the playoffs are expanded by a team. They still could be an 11-win team uh, that gets out of the conference. Uh, another note on the NFC East, um, Washington led by Alex Smith would be a phenomenal story. The Dallas Cowboys could get into the playoffs with four different starting quarterbacks. That's how many different quarterbacks they've had this year. Four different. I don't even remember her. The, it, it, Dalton, Dak, Danucci. I forgot who the other one was. Maybe I didn't even forget. Maybe I never even knew. Or the Giants, who started 1-7. and seven. Now, that's not a praise to the Giants, the Cowboys, or the football team, or Alex Smith. God bless him. So glad that he's healthy. It's a knock on the division. The division is a disaster. Speaking of disasters, remember how bad Mitchell Trubisky was to start the season? If the Bears win, that'll be four straight wins uh, for the Mitchell Trubisky-led Chicago Bears and a chance to get into the playoffs. Or not a chance to. If they win this game, they will get into the playoffs. The Browns could miss the playoffs if they lose and the Colts win. Oh, all they had to do uh, was beat the Jets, man. I feel so bad for the Browns. I do not want to see the Browns' misery continue. Let them make the playoffs, and let's keep it moving. The Titans are in a unique situation this weekend because they could either win the division or miss the playoffs completely. The team that I think it really comes down to is the Baltimore Ravens. I think the Baltimore Ravens are, are a team that's going to make the playoffs, and looking back at their schedule, you know they've won, if they win this weekend, it'll be five straight games. We called this one a while ago because we looked ahead at that schedule. They got to win, and it was like, ah, there's something there with Baltimore. Like, I think they could wind up getting in. The only bad thing for Baltimore, really, you know, going into week 17 is the fact that all of these other teams have continued to play well at the same times that they have. The Steelers are a team I completely don't buy. They, they, they could wind up with 13 wins if they beat the Cleveland Browns and be a three seed. Amazing. And I'm not knocking their wins. I just, I never, I never, I never dove in on, on, on Pittsburgh. Even at 10 and 0, it was like, eh, I don't know. 11 and 0. Like at some point you can't ignore it. Like you're 11 and 0. You don't get 11 and 0 by accident. I don't mean to diminish them in that way, but I just kept seeing like holes in their game. Like, like, yeah, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about a team that's going to make the playoffs? Are we talking about a team that is potentially dangerous to the Kansas City Chiefs? Because that's I, th I feel like everything runs through Kansas City. And I know literally everything does run through Kansas City. I know they're the number one seed. But I never looked at Pittsburgh like, eh. Like Tennessee, sometimes I think, yeah, you get Derrick Henry on the right day. They're going to beat Pittsburgh. It, it, what I really want, I, I want Baltimore to make the playoffs. I need Lamar to win like a game or two. Just, just to kind of get that, just to get that proverbial monkey off his back. Just to get that 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 narrative. Just get rid of it. Because it's a little bit unfair. Like he he had a, a bad playoff game his his first year, the year that he his rookie season, the year he stepped in for Joe Flacco. Of course, he wins the MVP last year and doesn't have a ugh, particularly impressive uh, quarterback, and that's putting it uh, very nicely, a particularly uh, impressive playoff game, I should say, at quarterback. So I would like 
Baltimore to get in and I don't need them to do some damage, but maybe win a game. Hell, if they want to do some damage, I'm all good for that. I'm all good with that. I would like to see Kansas City back in the the Super Bowl though from from the from the AFC side. I wouldn't mad, mind seeing Baltimore, but I think I'd really like to see Pittsburgh. Or excuse me, I think I'd really like to see Kansas City. I definitely don't want to see Pittsburgh. Not a knock on Pittsburgh. I love Mike Tomlin. I'm at the I'm at, I'm I'm in the VIP tier of the Mike Tomlin fan club. I just I don't I don't know. I don't like I don't know why. I can't, I don't want to root for Pittsburgh. Kind of like Green Bay. I don't know why I don't want to root for Green Bay. Green Bay is really good. They're really, really good. Aaron Rodgers, I had this this terrible epiphany. I thought everybody was, like, ridiculous. Like, all of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers is the MVP. Like, I'm sorry, does Patrick Mahomes not exist anymore? Like, what are you talking about? Like, you haven't talked about Aaron Rodgers at MVP, like, all year. It was like Russell Wilson. Like, you threw in Josh Allen for fun. Josh Allen had, like, the smallest of bad stretches. Russell Wilson had a terrible stretch. Or the, specifically, the Seahawks had a terrible stretch. But going with Aaron Rodgers now, and then I looked at Aaron Rodgers' numbers. I was like, oh, okay. All right, yeah, he probably is the MVP. Like, he's thrown at a completion rate of, like, 70%, 44 touchdowns, six interceptions. Like, it's phenomenal. The only thing that Patrick Mahomes is doing better than him, one, he's won a couple of more games than he has. You know, they're headed towards a potential 15-1 and season. And Patrick Mahomes has, like, 700 more yards. He has 700 more yards and 80 more pass attempts than Aaron Rodgers does. So Aaron Rodgers has done a phenomenal job, and Matt LaFleur has been incredible. I mean, if if they wind up winning this game and the Green Bay Packers finish 13-3, and three, dude, that's back-to-back 13-3 and three seasons. That's 26-3, and three, the only coach that will have more wins than him through the first two years of their career is George Seifert. You know, George Seifert took over those incredible 49ers teams. That's phenomenal. Like that's 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 absolutely incredible. And I feel like last year no one bought them and I don't know why. I don't know if it was because they were blown out uh, by San Francisco. I don't know what it was. But Aaron Rodgers he's already the first player in NFL history with 3 seasons of 40 passing touchdowns. That's hard to believe given that Peyton and Tom Brady are in the league. That's that's amazing. Like I'm actually finding that out as I'm reading that 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 I got ESPN stats and info in front of me. I I am I have, this is the first time I've seen that stat. That's amazing. I I can't believe that Peyton or or Drew Brees or like ten other quarterbacks haven't done that before. But forty is I mean I guess we always look as at, at fifty as like that massive barometer and 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 that's what it is. But forty touchdowns is I guess that's like the. 5,000 yards of of touchdown passes. You know, 5,000 used to be such an elite club. There's only a handful of people in it. Drew Brees has done it several times. Justin Herbert, I think he's on his way to Rookie of the Year. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm comp, very, very confident he's on his way to Rookie of the Year, especially since Joe Burrow's been gone. Uh, I guess we could wrap up on that. Not necessarily Joe Burrow, but the college football playoffs get underway. And I've said this many times, like I have to ride on what I've been saying all year, whether I still believe it or not. And the truth is, I still do believe it. I think Ohio State is the best team in football. I think Ohio State is the best team in college football. And I hope they kick the absolute crap out of Dabo Sweeney and Clemson. I believe Alabama is going to destroy Notre Dame. I think we're going to see Ohio State in Alabama again. And I think we've got a Buckeye victory coming your way. I 
I'm serious, and I know I kind of joke how I can't get off this ship anymore. I'm too deep into the waters. I don't like Clemson. I think Clemson is, I don't think Trevor Lawrence is overrated. I think that program is overrated. I think Ohio State gets them. Uh, Whether they're going to beat Alabama, I don't know. I'm going to continue to say that they are, uh, but that's going to be a tough matchup for them. But I like Ohio State. I like Alabama. I think both teams win convincingly, and I think we get an Alabama-Ohio State uh, national championship. I wish I had fallen in love with college football this year. I didn't. I tried. The only game that I, like, really watched, and I watched, like, a lot of it was Northwestern and Ohio State, the Big Ten championship. Other than that, I didn't get into it because I just, it's just, I don't want, I think most of it is, I don't think they should be playing. I think that's the, you know, the thing that has stood out with me the most is like, I I don't think that those young men should be out there playing. And then you have a situation where like Dabo Sweeney put Ohio State at 11th because he didn't think Ohio State played enough games. And that's, you know, that's actually fine. I was critical of Dabo. I think it's stupid because I think Ohio State was the best, one of the best teams, if not the best team in the country leading into the season. They certainly haven't done anything to prove that. And it's not Ohio State's fault that the Big Ten was playing double dutch, that the Big Ten was playing footsie with the college football season. We knew the Big Ten was going to pack pedal. And as soon as we knew the Big Ten was going to back pedal, we knew that the Pac-12 was going to pack pedal. This is all common knowledge, but... It's not Ohio State's fault. And that's the important part. So I'm glad they're getting an opportunity to play. I would have been devastated had they lost that national championship game. Because like I've said, I I do believe they're the best team in the country. And I think they're going to have a chance to prove it um, on January 1st. I don't know. I'm going to break what is my biggest podcasting, you know, rule or my biggest, uh, you know, podcasting, um, advice that I give young people. I, I, I don't think it's going to be possible to drop this podcast regularly on the same day. It might just sporadically pop up like we had kind of set it into, you know, Friday night Terramana talks. But now the Kings play a lot on Friday and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I just don't want to drop a podcast on a night the Kings play and, and, then, and, then, and then it immediately becomes old. You know what I mean? So I thought we'd get this podcast because I look at like next, like I don't know when we're, I may drop a podcast on like Wednesday or Thursday or Tuesday because I look ahead and like the Kings play next Friday. The Kings play like the next four Fridays after, after this week. They play four Fridays in a row and a couple of those Fridays also have Saturday games tagged to them. So it's like, okay, we're probably not going to do Friday. I guess we could do a Saturday morning. Maybe we could do a Sunday morning, but do you really want to hear a Sunday morning show if it don't have the football results in it? Maybe Sunday night, drop it on Monday morning. I I don't know, man. But um, as long as you continue to subscribe, I'll continue to drop podcasts. And I thank you for your tremendous support uh, through the season. And remember, uh, there's another episode dropping, and it's the you know conversation. Uh, it's it's kind of the bonus features, uh, the bonus features conversation with uh, Deuce Mo and Marshall that we had on ESPN 1320. And then I'll share some thoughts with you uh, after that conversation wraps up. If you didn't hear it live, I really think you're going to dig it. You can hear the entire show in its entirety uh, on the podcast on the radio.com app, uh, but I'll share that one particular portion with you here uh, on the next drop of this podcast. So again, thank you for, I know it's been a difficult 2020, but thank you for the tremendous support that you have shown me, that you have shown the Be Heard platform and Deuce and Mo and Build Black and the Sacramento Kings podcast. Joe Adge and Kenny Caraway, like I'm, I'm grateful for each and every single one of you. Thank you so much. Have a great new year. Have a safe new year. Mask up. We're going to get through this. 
Uh, and we'll be back here very soon with another episode of the podcast with Damian Barling here on the Be Heard podcast platform.